0: Welcome to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan, where conversations build community. Our Monday Morning Conversations are meant to create a safe space where respectful dialogue is encouraged. Our intention is to promote understanding by listening when having difficult conversations. We hope to offer you resources as you travel your personal journey. Our passion is changing the conversation around grief and helping people we talk to Find meaning, purpose, and joy again so that they can fully participate in their lives. Join us today for our conversation and help us build community. We survived our loss by honoring it and finding the resources to ease our pain while discovering that our personal growth stemmed from being willing to share our, her story. Our question today is, what does it take for you to decide to help yourself? Today's song is Life's a Ride." by Donna the Buffalo. I chose this song today because I like the analogy about life being like a ride. The difference between night, and in this case, our grief, and the light of day, is about finding that path and navigating our way. When a disruptive event like (coughs) grief enters your life, it activates an emotional response. and We are swept up in a ride through life, and our emotions act as a traffic signal. When we're stopped by grief, waiting for that signal to change, we can decide on how to proceed. Do we stay stuck or do we decide to move?
1: I like that, do we decide to move, because I was moving to that song. And today we're going to talk about movement to meet grief. So our topic today is physically expanding your capacity for grief. And we have a guest on the line, uh, Jesse Lucas. Jessie Lucas is a certified yoga teacher, personal trainer, and the founder of Embodied Movement Training. She believes that body awareness and understanding kinesthetic intelligence can significantly reduce stress and allow people to operate from a place of empowerment and confidence. Jessie also works in a cool corner of holistic health with natural gene activation for vitality and longevity. She lives in New York with her partner, three of the four of their children, and loves traveling, especially to warm beaches, and looks forward to eventually living, as they say in their family, southier and coastier. (laughs) Welcome, Jesse.
2: Hi, thank you. Uh, For this wonderful conversation with you,
1: too. We're happy to have you here. And before we dive into the deeper meaning of, of our topic, tell us a little bit about what embodied movement means to you. You've recently trademarked your embodied movement method, and I'd love to hear your description of what that means to you.
2: Absolutely. Well, I was just given a new description, thanks to Dan, your song choice. Um, uh, The short description is, I think, that embodied movement is a tool to put you back in the driver's seat of this ride. I love how you described, you know, emotions kind of being traffic signals, and you can either be stopped or you can go. And I look at life as movement. You know, we're physically moving. Our, you know, even if if we are sitting in stillness or our movement is limited for some reason, you know, our heart is beating, our lungs are expanding and contracting. All these little movements are happening on the inside, and embodiment. To me, just puts you in both awareness and in participation. So, life's stressors, in in all the many ways that it can come, it can kind of bury your awareness and bury your participation in that, whether you're numbing or you are being stopped in your tracks by something powerful like grief or you are being kind of surrounded in, in pain or some other intense feeling, sensation, emotion. And then an embodied movement, I see, is a tool to you know navigate as well, to, to navigate movement through life consciously. So, you know, I was I was brought to this work as a yoga teacher and as a personal trainer and I loved helping people move their bodies. What I loved even more was seeing where when we could use that physical movement to kind of penetrate into the realm of emotional and mental health and make changes on that level as well so short story it puts you back in the driver's seat or gives you a certain amount of awareness and consciousness and participation in how your physical movement affects your mental and emotional health
1: yeah i, I love that description and the fact that the correlation with the song because yeah if we're not in the driver's seat of our lives we're not going to get anywhere so why When we talk about grief, and we all experience grief in many different ways. Uh, We've talked about that on the show, the many different ways that grief visits us. How can embodied movement or how can addressing our grief physically help us, and why is it important?
2: I, I honestly think unless we are acknowledging, addressing, and and utilizing almost as medicine our physical experience of grief, then we are then we're missing a piece completely and we'll never be able to fully, I guess, move through it. And I guess I'll I'll start my answer to this question just by meeting you two where you are and, you know, meeting the audience and kind of bringing myself very vulnerably to, to the table. I so appreciate that you two have the conversations coming from the place of experience that you do. You are such guides on this path of how to open up into these, these otherwise potentially difficult or life-stopping conversations that could, that could bring us beauty, that could bring us learning, that could bring us a greater life experience. And, you know, I'm not um, immune to those heavy griefs in my family. We are we're in what I'm calling the year of firsts. We had a pretty significant death in the family last July. My stepkids, other parent passed away. They're nine and 11. Um, As of next week, the 11 will be 12. So we're we're coming up on all, all of these these firsts and you can feel the tension in, you know, watching how each one of us is navigating this so differently. It's not a one size fits all thing. You can see the the emotional reactions, the, the body reactions are all different in every single one of us. Um, but I think, you know, it's to put it in a very elementary way. We know that other sensory experiences of ours can elicit a physical response. So the example I most often use is, you know, you think about a lemon. Like if you were to bite into a lemon, even just saying that, my guess is most people who hear that, their mouth will start to salivate or you can start to really imagine an experience of something sour. Same thing, you know, if you're watching a movie and a really sad scene or a really happy scene happens. You're not personally experiencing that yourself, but you might feel, you know, you might tear up or you might laugh. And so we know that our sensory experiences are connect, connected to physiological reactions, and so when we experience a, a, a big impact like grief, and you know whether it's a big G grief or a lot of little G griefs, so too are we have physiological reactions, and they may be pronounced. They may be in in ways that. Illicit, um, you know, that we might feel it in the pit of our gut. We might feel the heaviness in our chest. We may feel like we can't get out of bed. We may feel angry and like we just want to, you know, rage. And, and I'm seeing this in, in all the different family members of my house right now. And, or it might be buried. It, it may be, you know, we may be so distracted or so overwhelmed that we can't feel those physiological responses to our grief and it doesn't mean they're not there and I see conscious movement, embodied movement, movement with awareness, intentional movement as a way to open up that door to either the maybe the big overwhelming sensations that you're feeling, meet them and know how to utilize them in a way that can be helpful instead of destructive or and or uncover the the physiological reactions that might be going on under the surface that you may not have access to but are still affecting you and then to, to the same end where you can utilize that consciously and for your healing in, instead of, um, you know, kind of stealing your your energy and your zest for life.
0: I love that. And I, I really love the idea of the year of firsts. Uh, Nancy and I have used that the Same concept throughout our entire marriage of having not only the moments of grief and the things that um, are normally experienced, but also all of the joyous moments as well. And it, I think, is a is a great uh, approach to the daily things that happen. You know, what what will be the first today? You know, our uh, our first uh, experience with. Um, having uh, a, a caller uh, dial in or the first, well, all of the firsts that happen.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that there doesn't have to be a distinction between the quote-unquote negative first and the, and the quote-unquote positive first because it's the first that happen in full the full spectrum of the way we approach our lives and feeling, being able to feel all of it and it sounds like you are one of the things that that you're talking about and I know this because I know you and we've worked together and and I know how how you work, some of the ways that, that you work. The intentional conscious movement that you're talking about can help to get unstuck from grief and it can help you to identify where in your body that grief is living. So I'm wondering what are some of the ways that we can do that become
3: unstuck
2: yeah i love this question because it's not a one-size-fits-all thing and i feel like a lot of places we go to try to navigate things like this they give you you know kind of six steps to become more aware of whatever <laughs> like... and the way i have always approached it is more um, you know, I used to say my my best job as a personal trainer was to train you to be your own trainer and to teach you you know how to function and move in your body. I worked with a lot of people who were recovering from injury, surgery, um, had other other different physical different abilities. and so to really learn what body signals your body is giving to you, And how to respond to those, that's that's the how to. So, I'm gonna give you a a few kind of tried and true ways that have certainly helped me. Have you know, I do fancy some of the things we've used together, some things that that are kind of across the board, very user friendly for most people. But I always like to put that caveat up front that it is not a simple step by step thing that. And when you're being told, hey, just do this and you will get there, get that result, it can be very frustrating if that doesn't happen for you. So I always like to open the how-to part of the conversation with you know, having an attitude of experimentation, having an attitude of openness with whatever your experience may be, and and knowing that not only is every body different but how your body is responding in the season that you are in with the experiences you're experiencing are even different than how they have been before how they will be in the future how they may be later in the day when you know different factors may be coming into play so i look at it through kind of these gateways the first is how do we even gain access to awareness How do we open that door? Because a lot of times, especially in grief, especially in trauma, those parts of our brain can kind of be shut down, and and they're shut down almost as a protective mechanism so that we can utilize our resources. You know, it's all part of that old fight, flight, freeze, and now we say fawn, too, response. And so in order to open that door, the first step is a certain level of nervous system Regulation, you have to kind of turn down the volume of that noise of the fight, flight, freeze, respond response, in order to gain access. So I think the first how to is opening that door of awareness and things like fear, like a sen- a lack of a sense of safety, um, heightened, you know, anger response, like just wanting to fight back. All of those things can really. Get in the way of, of you accessing your awareness. And not to say that those things aren't true and relevant and real. And so instead of kind of negating them, saying, Oh, instead of being fearful, I must be fearless. Mm-hmm. I say, Meet that, meet that fear, meet that anger, meet that numbness, meet that shutdown. Because the more you can meet yourself in your own truth that's when that volume can turn down and you can feel more congruent. You can feel more aligned. So that might look like, on one end, calming things. Like if your nervous system is really agitated, it may be breathing techniques. It may be some hands-on body work to kind of really wring out that that tension and that heightened um, response. It might be things like, a calm walk or just just walking, not something, you know, bouncy, not a run, not a high-intensity training, but just something to kind of create a rhythm. If, on the other hand, you're more in lethargy, depression, can't get out of bed, um, numbness, that kind of thing, it might be something to shake things up. I mean, Nancy, I think you know one of my favorite things is literally shaking. It is one of the most primal uh Physiological responses you can have to a fight, flight, or freeze. You know, we often use the example of when a zebra has been chased by a tiger. And in this case, let's say the zebra gets away safely, it will literally shake um, without uncontrollably, uncontrollably shake to get all that stress response out. I love shaking, whether it's you're just starting, you know, just sh- shaking your hands out or all the way up to a full body shake, of course, whatever's safe for what you can do in your body but something to gain you access so that you can meet yourself where you are that's that's the first step and then from there you get to open the door to to the beautiful landscape and and difficult landscape it can be diving into some darkness but that first step of congruence and nervous system regulation whichever direction you're coming from i believe is imperative
1: you mentioned safety. Uh, can you say a little bit more about that and why safety is important?
2: I love that you highlighted that because I think that is the biggest step that is missed when people are trying to deal with stored grief, pain, trauma in their bodies. Uh, a lot of people go right to kind of the process and seeking solutions. Safety, I think, is the threshold. It is the gateway. Um, If you think about it as simply as this, you know, if we are feeling threatened, you know, if I'm on high alert that, oh, somebody might be breaking into my house, I'm not going to worry about adjusting the thermostat, you know, is is the heat set right or is the air conditioning set right. I'm not going to worry about going to make my bed or cleaning the bathroom, you know, all these other tasks that might be helpful in keeping up my home. But if I'm on high alert, the only thing I'm paying attention to is, is there an intruder and and how do I protect this home? So the same thing goes in the home of our physical body. If we have been through something that has caused such deep pain or such grief, that is likely where a good amount, if not most or all of our attention is. And unless we can meet that in a way that we can bring not soothing in the sense like, Oh, it's all going to be okay, but enough soothing just to bring back some of those neurological functions so that you can access the emotions and physical body. That's that first gateway. So again, that looks different than for a lot of people. Dan, when you introduced this call, you mentioned building community and I think for a lot of people, that's another missing element, especially in the, the step of, of creating a physiological sense of safety. I don't think we're meant to do journeys like this alone. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're meant to go through these life changes, these portals, these, these landmark events alone. So creating safety may look like having a network of support. It may look like being held, where, whether that's kind of energetically, emotionally, you know, just knowing knowing someone's got your back, that might be physically being held. There's a lot to say for that somatic element of just if I can soften in someone else's arms or someone else is just holding space, you know, sitting across from me, you know, holding eye contact or heart contact or hand, you know, hand to hand, there's there's something to be said for that so that that nervous system can can let down to those other uh, jobs that it needs to do to heal
0: Mm. yeah Uh, the other things to attend to you know uh, and i love this conversation one of the things that i heard and you know let me go into it i guess uh, you know a change of behavior you know brought on by an experience of grief can cause all these conflicting you know Uh, feelings to surface and you know we've learned that being present brings awareness to our bodies in three-dimensional space you know we are we are spirit bodies but we are also physical bodies and and we have to move through our our day in in a three-dimensional world Uh, we call nancy and i call this present moment awareness and uh when we took ballroom dancing that was um Moving, you know, learning how to move together in a uh, uh, syncopated and, you know, um, artistic way. And it emphasized that our bodies as a frame, you know, can hold those emotions and can help ground us uh, in the moment. What would you add to that? And, you know, maybe throw in what that definition of uh, kinesiology is.
2: Uh. That's such a such a great example right there. I have said over the my last several years in working in this embodiment space that um, kinesthetic intelligence is the new emotional intelligence. That this awareness of your body, and when I say body, I mean your physical body, your emotional body that's the new mindfulness. And this is a great time to be exploring that exact inquiry because I think a lot of people in the last, I don't know, let's say 10 years or 15, 20 years have gotten on the mindfulness train. You know, we see it in our schools. We see it sometimes even in, in hospitals and in settings where we never heard conversations like that before. And so people have gotten aware of, okay, to be aware of my thoughts can give me some power. You can give me some power. One of my favorite quotes is, um, "Between stimulus and response, there is a space. It is that. It is that space. In that space is your power to choose your response. In our response mm-hmm. lies our growth and our freedom. And it's a Viktor Frankl quote. And I think that we we can kind of understand that as as a culture around mindfulness. What you said about your experience with ballroom dancing and the syncopated movement, it brings that quality into your physical body. So when we can do that, we then gain access to all of the information our physical body has for us. And so practicing things like having to pay attention to where your feet go, having to pay attention, I mean especially in in a, you know, a partner situation like that with a ballroom dance having to pay attention to how I move my body affects how they move their body how they move their body affects mine those things it it does a few things it brings your attention away from all of the rest of the noise all of the other factors contributing to what your experience of yourself in the moment is and into Mm -hmm. that present awareness now add that physical quality so to me the, the mindfulness conversation kind of focuses on, okay, how do we bring ourselves back from the distractions, you know, the squirrel moments, the, the constant uh, barrage of news, information, dings and dongs, you know, notifications, and into awareness of what are we thinking? And if we can take that a step deeper into that kinesthetic intelligence that kinesthetic awareness, we now have a whole new landscape. And I think just as mindfulness, you can kind of trace your thoughts. In kinesthetic intelligence, you kind of trace the behaviors of your nervous system. That's kind of the central information provider there. And things like just being aware, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize I was holding so much tension in my shoulders. Or, oh, my gosh, like I didn't really realize this pit in my stomach really, really is heavy. Or, oh, my gosh, like I was clenching my jaw or my toes or my knees feel tingly. I mean, all of these things. And when you just simply, this is one of the things I do, one of the, the most common meditations I use to kind of open this door with my the clients that I work with is literally just kind of doing a body scan like that, but not just saying, oh, what do I feel, but bringing your attention to specific locations and holding your attention there so that the information opens up. It's kind of like when you look up at the stars at night and you see a few stars, and the more you look, the more stars start to appear because your eyes start to adjust and your vision starts to acclimate to what you're looking at. And the same thing goes on when you start to bring your attention inwards and give space to that learning of the kinesthetic intelligence and you start to get information from your body, just like if you start connecting the dots on your thoughts, like, oh my gosh, every time this happens, I think this and this is how I respond. And if I can catch that little gap, if I can catch that little gap. I can kind of take a different train track, a different neuro pathway, and have a different Response and therefore a different result. You can do the same thing with your nervous system. And the cool thing about this is you don't have to get stuck in those thought patterns because if if the call here is to pay attention to how you're moving your body, this is a really, really great approach if you are either stubborn-minded, like I am, or have really, really sticky, heavy emotions like I do Mm -hmm. because you're kind of coming... Up from within, you're coming up from those physiological s- signals instead of just going straight to those hard emotions or straight to that stubborn neuro pathway. And it's it's really a brilliant way to still be working with your body systems, but from a different angle that has so much information that we often um, overlook or bury.
1: Yeah, there's so much in that in what you just said that I want to delve deeper in, into. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you just said so much, and one of the questions that I, I had that I think you addressed is the connection between emotional and kinesthetic health, and, and it's, let me just tell you what I, I heard, and you can expound upon it or tell me that I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, that I didn't quite get it right. When we're able to kinesthetically become aware of what our body is is, is wanting to tell us, that puts us directly in in connection with the emotions that live there and then when we respond to what our body is telling us our emotions can be heard in a new way is that did i get that right or is yeah, a piece of that yeah
2: absolutely and here's the catch the i got some bad news good news the bad news is from a physiological standpoint our goal is simply to survive, not to thrive, not to be happy, just to survive, which means physiologically our attention is called to the pains, the threats, because those are the things that might get in the way of survival. From an emotional and mental health standpoint, especially these days, we want so badly to thrive We want so badly to be happy. We want so badly to to lift ourselves out of, you know, heavy, dark, stressful experiences. And there's a conflict there because the body's kind of like, I don't really care. Just keep me alive and and let's perpetuate the species. And then there's a a higher level of of consciousness and this beautiful experience of, of being human that says there's more. There's more than just surviving. So it's a little bit like um, I kind of have to, not one of my favorite quotes, but bait the hook to suit the fish. When you're coming at it from a mental and emotional standpoint, there's a a different goal than from a physiological standpoint. So on one level, it's kind of like you have to get these things on board in the ways that they are designed to do because they're also entangled and you know we know i mean this is not new science that things like stress affects our physical health this is why we see more heart disease more you know all of these degenerative diseases that we didn't see decades ago are so prevalent and in in fact you know number 1 on, on what's really affecting us these days so we know they're entangled and the pathway this and now this is kind of the segue here from the bad news to the good news <laughs> the pathway is is through a dark a dark space you know one of the mm-hmm. uh, segments of my work I call dive into the darkness and I think that that's one of the best skills we can build is in order to kind of pull up from this physiological drive simply to survive and into a place where we can heal and and bring back the beauty in our experience of this this human life is you got to go through it. You got to go through it, and if you have these dark experiences, these griefs, these pains, these traumas, buried in the way, you can't just bypass them. You can't build a roundabout <laughs> on this ride. You got to go through it, and so I don't love the term resilience, but it's because it, I think it's. I did love it. I used to love it, and I do think it still has some merit. But I think it's become a bypass of itself, unless unless it's being utilized well. Um, but toning up your capacity to have deep breaths when heavy grief waves, this is one of the things we're, we're trying to teach the kiddos in this house. You know, we see the grief waves and they start to have these very short breaths, Mm -hmm. almost hyperventilating. And if they can breathe through it deep in their breath and they get through it and see and find calm and kind of a level of understanding in a much better way than if they can't, then it just kind of seems to subside for a little bit and then come back stronger, faster, and last longer. If you can learn to kind of mentally expand your awareness around the pains the griefs and and the sensations that they're presenting in your body this is where we can start to connect the dots so there there is a little bit of a, a training involved in how to do that and that's where i think movement is is such a key thing you know if you're feeling compressed if you're feeling like everything's tight you start to make those those movements in your body of opening up making space loosening up and it gives room for those nervous system signals to to flow through i mean literally you know it 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 unclenches the muscular tension it it opens up the fascial web it opens up your circulatory system so that those signals can flow and when they can then you can come up and with what i call pearls of wisdom that Mm. you can only gather when you dive through the darkness and you come up through with these pearls of wisdom back through the, these channels of the nervous system up to your heart up to your beautiful mind and you've taken a different path you're rewiring these nervous system pathways you're rewiring your neuro pathways and you arrive in a different place a place much like where you two are and being able to give and serve and um and live your new life experiences with, with that, not just being stuck in, in survival.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a good place for me to share my story of working with you and how I came to do that. And I, it was it was after I wrote my book. Um, I was dragged kicking and, stre- and screaming to write my book because I didn't think I was an author. I didn't think that I had anything to share. And when I finally came through that and wrote the book, then I was being asked to um, talk about it and tell my story. And that's where I said, I <laughs> I can't do this. And so I, I asked the universe to show me how I can hold the story and tell the story that I was really strongly being called to tell. And I had done a lot of work up until then uh, uh, to get me to that point, certainly. Um, But but when I found Jesse and Jesse's work, what it did for me was um, help me to create the capacity in my body to hold my story and to tell it in the way that I was being called to tell it. And it wasn't easy work. It wasn't always fun. There, There were definitely some fun aspects to it. I discovered a whole new way to move my body and a whole new way to listen to my body's wisdom. And... I I was able to, I now am able to um, hold my story to have the greater capacity. I cleared out a lot of the stuff that Jesse talked about earlier, the, um, the places in my body that were holding on, not just to the grief of losing Leah, but grief that had been with me for my entire life and really helped me to go deeper into my childhood wounds and heal them on a much deeper level. So being able to clear out my the gunk and to calm my nervous system in a way that I can tell my story without completely breaking down and in a way that um, hopefully inspires people is it was priceless to me so that that was my experience of Jesse's work and what it does and continues to do
0: for me
2: trained you to be your own trainer Nancy you're doing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well, one of the things I just want to throw in mm-hmm. here is that um, I love what you said about the integration of our thoughts, our emotional level, our nervous system, our chakras, our our physical movement, uh, all of those integrations, and I um, particularly like the idea of that space between on that where you can make a decision. Uh, between how you're going to react to a situation, I think that is so important uh, today in uh, everything that we're facing. And that's,
1: that's the present moment, that space. That's the that's the present moment when we can decide to choose to whatever we're going to choose.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I, I think you just said it uh, so elegantly. And you know, thank you for that, um, Jesse. sometimes it's a struggle to get you know these concepts that uh, we deal with in a way that is uh, easily communicated to others and I think you did that uh, very very well because what a difference our choices do make Mm -hmm. yeah
2: absolutely and I'll just if I can just add what the final little piece there there is a level of kind of excavating and you know you know learning to create that kinesthetic safety, learning to be kinesthetically present, excavating, diving through the darkness, gathering the pulse of wisdom. But it's in the very end, and sometimes I, I just start kind of backwards with people if they really have a ton of ton of heaviness and just can't even get to that, the, the creating the safety, the awareness. Developing new movement patterns provides new information it like sparks awake your nervous system so even sometimes things like just trying to walk with a different gait or there there's practices where you kind of just like really open your joints in different ways like make your body awkward shapes or kind of do open close open close or just stand with a different posture like literally just make a little adjustment if you usually shift your weight to your right shift it to the left it, you know like move your shoulders in a different little tiny things and it literally breaks the mold it breaks those old patterns so if you if, if all of this sounds enticing but you're like there is no way there is too much gunk in the way i can't even begin to think about where i might access it you can create a crack in that you can open that up just simply by playing with your movement patterns and it doesn't have to be serious. It doesn't have to be meditative. You don't even have to pay attention to your breath. But just mi- using using movement to build a new relationship with your sense of self by just changing your patterns. And that is a really fun access point if, if the, the mindful access point doesn't
0: I love that. feel and, like
2: an accessible place to you. Um,
0: sometimes I refer to those moments of awareness as the ahas. And mm-hmm. what I heard you say is that you know, it's like, at last, I can do something about the way I feel. And, you know, as we age and um, we get stuck in our patterns of movement, it's, it is fun. It's fun to dance. It's fun to uh, um, just do, like you said, move in a different way. And one of the best ways that we're learning that (laughs) is with our two-year-old granddaughter who is moving in in ways that uh, I haven't moved uh, in a long time. But we play, and I think that's an element of this. There is a playfulness in uh, our movement that um, – and, you know, I heard what you said about we are in survival mode. But uh, when we can escape that and become playful, then that opens us to uh, moving in different ways, thinking in different ways, feeling in different ways. And, you know, I think that is delightful. That, is, uh, that makes this whole conversation just so uh, immensely enjoyable for me. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> yeah,
2: I love it. Yeah.
1: I, I love the playful aspect of it, too, because as a child, I, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't able to play in the way that I see my granddaughter playing and being able to play with her and being invited to play with her is um, is so much fun and, and it it's um, definitely a way to keep my movement open open and, and moving in like Dan said moving in different ways like you said, moving in ways that, um, I I haven't before.
0: Uh, Yeah, it frees us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we are coming up to the end of our show. And, Jesse, I'm wondering if um, before we ask um, you to share with you how our listeners can um, find you, if you
0: have one final thought.
2: Uh, One final
0: thought. Here, let me uh, uh, couch it this way. Um, yeah You have no idea what someone wants or needs until you have a conversation with them. That's the purpose of what we do here on the show. Setting the expectation that loss is going to happen, you know uh, that life is going to happen to you, and that you can become prepared to meet whatever you're facing. You know that's kind of our basic message. Being able to show value of being prepared that it can ease the pain, that it can show the people that we talk to uh, that help is there, it's available. And it, sometimes it's just as simple as you know what we've ta- been talking about, the movement, the, um, the joy in living. That's the message that we want our listeners to hear. And so what's your takeaway that you could leave them with?
2: Yeah. Be curious. Be curious if including your physical body, physical sensations, movement never, ever crossed your mind as far as, hey, how may I deal with the, you know, the griefs, the pains, the stresses in my life. Um, There's there's a whole realm of information available to you. So be curious, find a way in and it does not have to look like some method or protocol or like anything anybody else does.
1: I love that. It doesn't have to look like what anybody else does. It can do it your way, which is our message about doing grief, too. Oh, this has been an amazing conversation today, Jesse, and it's gone by way too fast. Um, and I'm sure that our listeners would like to find out a little bit more from you. So how can they do that?
2: I think the best place is to go to my Instagram, which is Jesse with an I-E-J-E-S-S-I-E, B as and boy, Lucas, Jesse B. Lucas on Instagram. Um, I have taken this, this past year that my family's been going through this intense transition and stepped back from a lot of my outward facing things. So I haven't been posting a lot, but my link tree is on there where you can find all of the other places I am on the internet and get the updates when I am moving and grooving myself again. So Jesse D. Lucas on Instagram.
1: Great. Thank you. Today we talked about the connection between movement and grief and gave you some resources to begin to become aware of where grief is stored in your body and how to begin to move through it. When you do that, you gain the capacity to feel the full spectrum of your emotions, thereby having a fuller life, a life of your greatest vision. And remember We can do it your
0: own unique way. Today, for inspiration, um, a friend of ours and Wendy, if you're out there, thank you for this. This is a poem uh, by Becky Hemsley called Breathe. She sat at the back, and they said she was shy. She led from the front, and they hated her pride. They asked her advice and then answered and questioned her guidance. They branded her loud, and then were shocked by her silence. When she shared no ambition, they said she was sad. So she told them her dreams, and they said she was mad. They told her they'd listen, then covered their ears, and gave her a hug while they laughed at her fears. And she listened to all of it, thinking she should be the girl They told her to be, best as she could. But one day she asked what was best for herself, instead of trying to please everyone else. So she walked to the forest and stood with the trees. She heard the wind whisper and dance with the leaves. She spoke to the willow, the elm and the pine, and she told them what she'd been told time after time. She told them she felt as though she was never enough. She was either too little or far too too much, too loud or too quiet, too fierce or too weak, too wise or too foolish, too bold or too meek. Then she found a small clearing, surrounded by firs, and she stopped, and she heard what the trees said to her, and she sat there for hours, not wanting to leave, for the forest said nothing, it just let her breathe. Becky Hemsley is a British poet and author who wrote this piece about being faced with the challenges of trying to be what others expected of her. So especially when you find life being overwhelming and the ride being a little too much, remember to move and to breathe. It's all about finding your own way.
1: Thank you for joining us today, everyone. We will see you next week. You've been listening to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan. Thank you for listening. Through our own journey, we know that it's possible to find meaning, purpose, and joy again after a loss. Join us each week as we share useful information to help you develop the skills necessary to meet grief when it enters your life and to show you the importance of having difficult conversations, even when you don't know how to start them. If you're looking for more information, you can find us at our website, beingwithgrief.com.